in that song because that, that's, that should be our prayer. It's so counterculture. Christ be magnified, not us, right? Man, that song just gets me every time. Well, hey, we are continuing our message series called The Good Life. And, and to start us off today, I'm just going to uh, share with you what Tony Robbins said on his private jet. He was being interviewed, and he explained what all highly successful people have in common, okay? And so here's what uh, Tony Robbins, maybe you've heard of him. He's a motivational speaker. He said this, all highly successful people are always hungry, okay? They're always hungry. And then he goes on to say that if you can maintain a constant sense of hunger, you will be driven to achieve your most outlandish dreams, okay? Let's just let this sink in for a moment, all right? Uh, so let me just explain this real quick. Don't throw anything at me yet. I think he has a point here, okay? Because um, there are so many people out there who, because of their drive and their ambition and their hunger for success, that caused them to be very successful, or in other words, to achieve their most outlandish dreams, Maybe you've seen The Last Dance, which is the uh, documentary on Michael Jordan, okay? It's very evident that Michael Jordan was one of the greatest players of all time because of his just crazy hunger and ambition to be the best. When other players would take time off, he was in the gym and so on, right? That caused him to be very successful. There are so many other stories of people just like that, which proves that there is kind of a point that's saying, hey, if you have this hunger, if you have this drive, you can achieve your most outlandish dreams. But when it comes to the Beatitudes, which what is what we're talking about in the, this message series called The Good Life, when it comes to the Beatitudes, Tony actually has it all wrong. He has it all wrong. There's a, there's a point to it because it, it happens, but that's not truly what we should be hungry and thirsty for, should it? Because most people in our world have a desire for something that will never truly satisfy their souls. Tony has it all wrong because he is hungering and thirsting for something that America says to, to hunger for, which is success. And if they have this idea of, hey, if I achieve this success, therefore I will be happy. But time and time again, do you read articles from people who have achieved their most outlandish dreams, and yet they're the most lonely, unhappy people we've ever met? And so there is some truth to that statement this idea of hungering and thirsting, but the, what they're hungering and thirsting for is all wrong because that's what makes all the difference. Today, what we're going to see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, Matthew 5, verse 6, we're going to be right in that one verse, or it's going to be on the screens for you today. What we're going to see is that being hungry and thirsty in life is a normal desire. It's normal to have drive and ambition and, and just to have that desire in life. But what makes the difference is what we are hungry and thirsty for. What makes the difference is what we vividly desire. And so here's what we're going to see today is that through the, this beatitude today is that living the good life truly means to have a hunger and thirst for personal and practical righteousness. 
because that is what will truly satisfy our souls. You see, the world wants us to always be hungry, but yet we're going to learn today that Jesus wants us to be satisfied. Jesus wants us to be satisfied. And so, let's jump into Matthew 5, verse 6. We're actually going to read it all together out loud, okay? And you have masks on, so talk a little louder than normal, all right? So Matthew 5, 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Okay, let's just let this sink in for a little bit today, all right? I love just kind of dwelling on these short beatitudes. So God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Before we just unpack this verse, that's what we're going to do today, just kind of go through it and talk about those three aspects. There's a few things I need to say. First and foremost, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a great commentator, he said this. He said, this is one of the greatest tests that all Christians should apply to themselves. What do we hunger and thirst for? It's one of the greatest tests because when you, when you apply that test to your own life, it reveals to you what your foundation in life is and where you're heading in life, okay? And so if you're hungering and thirsting for what the world has to offer, that's pretty telling where you're at in life. And so this is a great test to apply to yourself. That's the first thing I want to say about this. The second thing I want to say about this is that you cannot hunger and thirst for righteousness without first doing three things. And hopefully you've been here for the past three weeks. And if you haven't, they're on the website. This is the fourth beatitude. You can't hunger and thirst for, what, for righteousness until you realize you are poor in spirit. Until you realize that we need to mourn over our sins and the sins around us. And until you adapt that idea of meekness in your life. Of putting up with little honor here on earth. Because without these first three steps, you won't realize your need for righteousness. And if you don't realize your need for righteousness, if you don't hunger and thirst for that, then ultimately you're going to hunger and thirst for something else to satisfy you in life. And so we're spiritually bankrupt. We're sinners, and we need to mourn over that sin, and, and we need to be meek in life. And when we do that, we can start to hunger and thirst for the right thing. And so let's unpack this verse for a little bit. And so Jesus says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst. And so let's ask the question, what does it mean to hunger and thirst? And here's how we're going to define it today. To hunger and thirst means to have a vivid desire. A vivid desire. And so just like I said before, this is one thing that we all have in common. Everybody has a hunger and thirst in life. Even Jesus kind of says, hey, you need to hunger and thirst because you normally do that. We just naturally have that in life. Maybe that's why you have a business today, because you have that drive, you have that ambition. Maybe you have a family today because you have that desire in life. We have that. That's normal to have in life. But I love what Jesus is doing here. Is he's painting us a picture, a literal picture, to show us something spiritual. Jesus does this all the time throughout the Gospels. He takes something literal, something that we go through in life, to then just amplify something that we need to realize spiritually. And that's what he's doing here. He's, he's bringing this idea of being hungry and thirsty. Have you been hungry and thirsty before? 
Maybe you're even hungry right now, at this very moment. Okay, we've all been hungry. We've all been thirsty. What do we do when we're hungry and thirsty? You get up and you go to the pantry, don't you? You get up and you go get a drink. When we're hungry and thirsty, we seek out something to satisfy that desire, don't we? That vivid desire that we have, we seek something out to satisfy that. Now, the greatest way to explain this is to use my wife as an example. I got permission, okay? So uh, my wife grew up with four brothers, which means they love to eat food. And my wife eats really healthy food, and she, she's a good eater, okay? She's a great eater. And what happens with her, though, it's hilarious. And I just explained this to her a couple months ago. She never really realized it, but I've seen it throughout our marriage is that what happens is, is she eats pretty healthy, but then every couple months or so, she all of a sudden starts to develop a vivid desire for something unhealthy, like a greasy burger or most recently, a.k.a. last week, a pie from Bergman's, okay? And so what happens is, is that she has this vivid desire for something that she wants and that will only actually satisfy that vivid desire. And so what happens is, is that she will start dropping hints to me. Like, oh, I just can't, I just want to have a burger. It's like, okay, but I know that if she eats a burger, then a couple hours later, she's going to be like, why did I eat that and all that stuff? And so then she's dropping these hints and as if I should bring a burger home or take her out to dinner or something like that. And so I'm kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place because if I bring her and get her the burger, she's going to be mad at me. And if I don't do it, she's going to be mad at me, right? I can't figure her out, okay? And so what happens is, is we usually end up, if she, she has this vivid desire for a burger, we always end up at Five Guys in Sandusky. Have you been? Yeah, absolutely. Big cheers there, all right? But we end up there because that's her favorite burger. I've tried to make them at home. We've tried to go other places, but nothing truly satisfies until she gets to Five Guys. And when we're there, we bring the kids. They love it too. We're sitting there, and she gets that burger in her hand. It's like none of us matter. I end up taking care of all three kids, getting all their drinks, all their ketchups. She's just over there in her own world with her burger. That is a vivid desire. <laughs> that is something that she wanted to satisfy that hunger, and she finally did. And so the question is, is not do we hunger and thirst, because we do. That's why Jesus paints the picture that way. That's why he says, hey, hunger and thirst, because you do that. The question is, is what do we hunger and thirst for? When it comes to our spiritual lives, what is it that we should hunger and thirst for is the, truly the question. What is going to actually satisfy that desire in life? Well, you already know the answer. We just read it. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. And so let's talk about this for a little bit. If you want to live a good life, the good life, Jesus implores us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And a hunger and thirst for righteousness is this. This is how we're going to define it today. is to vividly desire what is right. What is right. Now we ask that question, what is 
Right. This is hard to answer in our culture today because we live in such a relativistic culture. This idea that you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, and I'm right, yet we all have different opinions. Let's just be friends, right? That's relative. Everything's relative in this culture. And yet Jesus tells us what is right. And so what is right? This is a very profound answer, so if you're taking notes, be ready for this. You ready for it? What is right? It's God. All right, you guys can go. That's all you need to know. Just kidding. Um, But I'm serious, and here's why. Because Scripture is very, very clear that God is righteous, because that word righteousness means what is right. Scripture shows us that God is righteous, not us. Romans 3, 9 says, none are righteous, no, not one. Only God is righteous. The, the Bible also tells us that God acts in accordance with, always, with what is right. Always acts in accordance with what is right, not us. Sometimes we don't do the right thing, but God always does. The Bible also says that God himself is the final standard of what is right, not us. This is a hard one right here because we want to be the final standard of right, especially like men for some reason. That's something my dad always had to be right. And now, as I grow up, he was always right. But, but God is this final standard of right. The scripture shows us that. And then here is the greatest blessing of all. Since God is righteous, since he always acts in accordance with what is right, since he is the final standard of what is right, and we aren't any of those things. Here's the beauty. God will give us this righteousness when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. So not only is he right, but he also gives us what is right if we simply place our faith in Jesus. I know this is a cliche answer, but it's so true. And here's why. Because that word righteous, people want to say hey, oh yeah, that person is a righteous person, but they're referring to their morality or just being a good person. Jesus is going way deeper here, saying it's not about morality and being a good person because we all fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We all fall short. And so Jesus is telling us that we need to hunger and thirst for something that we desperately need in life. Something that we can never attain on our own apart from God. And that is why he he says here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because he alone can satisfy. And so let's unpack this a little bit further because when Jesus brings up this word righteousness, he's referring to two aspects of righteousness, okay? So you have what is right and then he kind of had, there's two aspects to righteousness which we already read earlier. The first one is Jesus wants us to vividly desire personal righteousness. So we're just talking about our individual lives, okay? So just be thinking about you at this moment. Okay, we've already learned in this series that we are sinners, okay? Can we all agree to that? Uh, We are sinners. We all fall short. We all take missteps. We miss the mark, all of us, all right? And it's because of that sin in our lives that have separated us from God, if you will. Okay, we're we're eternally separated from God. Our relationship with Him is broken. Or in other words, our relationship with God is not right. There's something wrong with it. 
So it makes sense that we need to hunger and thirst to be free from what is not right, what is separating us from God. And so what is this remedy? Well, it's simple. It's personal righteousness. And how do we achieve this personal righteousness? This is another simple thing. By placing your faith and trust in Jesus and his resurrection. Let me say that again. How do we attain this personal righteousness that we desperately need in life? It's by placing your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross for us and his resurrection three days later. See, the Bible is very clear that when we, when, when we place our faith and in, in trust in Jesus, something, it's called the great exchange. It's called the great exchange where Jesus, who is righteous, he is righteous, we are not, he takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. In the Bible world, it's called imputation. He imputes it into us. He gives that to us. So when we place our faith and trust in him, he gives us his righteousness and he takes our sin. He bore our sins on the cross. And when this happens, this great exchange, here's the beauty of this. Our relationship with God, with Jesus, is now made right. You see, Jesus wants us to vividly desire personal righteousness because it concerns our eternity. It goes farther than just the here and now. It concerns what happens when we're not here anymore. Jesus wants our relationship with God to be redeemed, to be restored, so that we can be in his presence for eternity. That's the first aspect of righteousness that we should hunger and thirst for. So the question is, for you, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus, in order to have that great exchange happen and your relationship with God to be made right? It's a great question to ask yourself. Secondly, Jesus wants us to have a vivid desire for practical righteousness. Practical righteousness. Once we are given personal righteousness, now we are to live that righteousness out in our lives. Jesus wants us to hunger and thirst for what is right here on earth. He, he wants us to be more like him. And so what does it look like to be more like Jesus? Well, I love what Micah 6, 8 says. To give you the context, the people of God were just basically bringing a bunch of sacrifices before God, and they were doing a lot of the festivals and show, and they were like, oh, that's going to that's gonna give me righteousness between God. That's what I'm supposed to do in life. And then Micah says this. He says, no, oh people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right. In other words, to hunger and thirst for righteousness, for what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You see, to do what is right is to live out the very characteristics of Jesus. Mercy, justice, and humility. That's what we are to do in our lives. We when we have this personal righteousness, now we get to live out this practical righteousness in this world. We get to live out the characteristics of Jesus that he imputes into us when that great exchange happens. So now all of a sudden, we get to show mercy where mercy isn't found. We get to uh, want justice where injustice is rampant. We get to 
walk in humility when others stomp around in pride. You see, that's what Jesus wants us to. He wants us to live out, have a vivid desire for this practical righteousness, and here's why. Because practical righteousness concerns their eternity. So personal righteousness concerns our eternity, but once that great exchange happens, now all of a sudden, the the focus shifts to their eternity. And when I say their, I'm talking about the people in your circles, the people around you. Get to see those characteristics of Jesus that he has given you. That's practical righteousness. It's to live it out so that others can see and glorify Jesus. And this is where our Be the Light initiative comes in. Our Be the Light initiative, right after the Beatitudes, we read this verse. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay? So that's practical righteousness right there. People seeing the way you live... And because of the way you live, they give glory to God. That's amazing. That's, that's something. We want everybody to do that. So for the Be the Light Challenge this week, and this is if you haven't been here yet, we're challenging you each week to do something very specific. And so this week, our challenge for you is to have three encouraging conversations with people you normally don't talk to. You normally don't talk to. So just think about your everyday life. Maybe it's someone at Kroger. I see the same people at Kroger all the time. And all the time I'm friendly with them. I say hi. But I've never actually talked to them. And so I, I'm going to be more intentional this week about that. Hopefully I can have a good conversation so that they can see Jesus through me. Maybe it's someone who doesn't look like you. Maybe it's someone who's outside of your economic circle. Maybe you run with this crowd, but maybe you have a conversation with someone who's not in your crowd. And even further, maybe it's someone you don't even like. How about that? Have an intentional conversation with someone you may not get along with. It may change. We want you to be the light. Have that conversation because conversation spurs on possible friendships. Friendship spurs on other conversations where you get to share the good news of Jesus with them. It could change their life when we're the light in this world. God uses us. It's pretty amazing that he gives us his righteousness so that we can use it in this world. And so let's be the light this week. And so back to Matthew 5, 6. When we hunger and thirst for this personal righteousness and this practical righteousness, Jesus promises us satisfaction. He says, for they will be satisfied people like Tony Robbins and, and people who, who don't know Jesus, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, a lot of people will say that we need to hunger and thirst for something that will never satisfy us. In fact, as we saw in the beginning, they encourage us to always be hungry. How tiring of a life is that? How tiring would it be to just always have this vivid desire and yet it never be fulfilled? I know I would be tired. But Jesus promises us satisfaction. You will be satisfied. And so this, listen, there's a deep satisfaction with being made right with God. There's a deep satisfaction with understanding that through Christ and what he has done on the cross for us, that our relationship with God has been fixed, it's been restored, and that now I am a child of God. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you haven't. 
There's that deep satisfaction of knowing that. And then next, there's a deep satisfaction with doing what is right. I know you know the feeling. A lot of you have done the right thing in times. You've been generous. You've been loving. You went out. You stood up for someone, whatever the case. And you, you felt good, didn't you? It feels good just in your soul. And then when you don't do the right thing, it feels bad and you're ashamed, doesn't it? You feel it right here in your gut. There's a deep satisfaction with being made right and with doing what is right. And the beauty of this is that when we do this, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness and and we have that satisfaction, that's just going to promote us to hunger and thirst for righteousness again to have that satisfaction. And all of a sudden it just becomes a, a cycle and a lifestyle. And that's why Jesus implores us to hunger and thirst for the right thing, for righteousness, personal righteousness and practical righteousness. Because when that happens, satisfaction will follow. I promise you that. I promise you that. So listen, living the good life, this is so counterculture. Living the good life means having a hunger and thirst for personal and practical righteousness. Because that is truly what will satisfy. It will develop this deep satisfaction in your life so that you can continue to do that time and time again. Now, I don't know about you, but this beatitude is a little daunting to me. I already, like as I'm talking, I'm like, man, this is a hard standard to live up to. But here's what I want to leave you with today. Is that Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who accomplish righteousness does he? He knows we can't accomplish it on our own. He knows that there's no way we can accomplish this righteousness he's talking about on our own. So he's simply saying, blessed are those who have the desire for it or who long for it, who take those steps every day and try to long for it and and have righteousness. Because we're all going to fall short. We're all going to hunger for the wrong things at times. We're all going to thirst for something that won't quench that thirst. But every day is a new opportunity. Every day is a new day where we can wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to hunger and thirst for what is right today. Because it concerns my eternity and it concerns their eternity. And so as we leave here this morning, I hope you're asking yourself the question, what do I hunger and thirst for? Because that is a very telling question of where your heart is and where your foundation is. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the fact that through faith in Christ, your son, that he exchanges our sin for his righteousness. Nothing what we can do, God, can can bring us up to your level, can fix our relationship with you, only what Christ has done for us on the cross. God, I pray that if anybody in here today has never experienced that personal righteousness, have never placed their faith in you, God, that today may be the day. And God, for those who have, I pray that they would leave here just being the light, that they would live out this practical righteousness, that they would love justice, walk in in mercy and, and in humility, that they would live out the characteristics of Jesus given to us. God, I pray that we would all hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, thank you for being here today. We, we are going to dismiss it. At, at, like